Today's episode of the BS Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. That's our presenting sponsor. That's the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. Do everything on your phone. Everything. Absolutely everything. Download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. We are also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network that features The Watch, Channel 33, The Ringer NFL Show, The Ringer NBA Show. If you subscribe to Channel 33, you get to hear our new sports movie Hall of Fame series. We just put up Any Given Sunday last week. We're going to talk to Mike Lombardi about Any Given Sunday in a second, but before we talk about the conference championship games. And uh, and that's it. Let's roll. All right. On the line, as always... Our old friend, Michael Lombardi. The Pats, they held off the bracketing last week in very cold weather in Houston in a very discouraging game. More importantly, what did you think of any given Sunday? Did you like it? Did you see it? I saw it. Uh, it was it was good. I, you know, football movies I don't like. I like baseball movies more than football movies. For, like, for the love of the game, that would be in my top all time. I love oh, that wow. Movie. For love of the game. Uh, it's, I love it. I want for love of the game. One of my dreams in life, when I'm the sports czar, when I'm finally appointed, is I'm going to make them re-edit for love of the game, and all the Kelly Preston scenes are going to be gone. It's just going to be the baseball. <laughs> There's going to be no love story at all. It's just going to be the, the no hitter in sequence with Vince Cully. You could argue it was Vince Cully's greatest moment, other than the Koufax no hitter. Finest moment. Yeah, yeah it was no, great. absolutely. So, do you uh, not do you not like football movies because you don't you know too much behind the curtain and it's just unrealistic yeah. for you? Yeah, it really is. It just it, like the, some of the things in for the uh, on any given. I I never saw that. Like I never right. saw some of the things they did. So it really wasn't real to me. Uh, it just didn't feel real to me. So you never I, saw I, an I eyeball. Never saw an eyeball come out of somebody's head on a hard hit. No, that never happened. No, I never did. Nor did I. You know, I never saw the training room look like that. I, you know, I, it was to me. It was a little different. But hey, you know, whatever, buddy. Someone wants to watch. I, I'm all for it. Well, Pacino has a great locker room speech in that movie. And Mike yeah. Tomlin had what seemed to be a pretty good locker room speech on Sunday. Unfortunately, his best wide receiver was, was Facebook living it. I, am I wrong to think that that could have been a hundred times worse than it actually was? That Like just what he said in that speech? Like for, for what the situation was, I think it was pretty tame. Like that, could that have been much worse? Oh, it could have been clearly. I mean, and and you know, you 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 lose some trust value here. That you know, you're in an intimate moment after just winning a huge game. You know, you don't want what's said in that locker room. Vince Lombardi had a great line: "What we see here, what we say here, what we do here, let it stay here when we leave here." And I think that that's been a complete violation by the millennials in terms of filming a Facebook podcast. I mean, it's remarkable that somebody would let some intimate detail get out like that, especially as close as a team is. I don't think it has any bearing on the game. I think Belichick, what he said the other day about Snapchat and all that stuff, he's not going to pay any attention to it. He's just focused on the game itself. But to me, it's like, why open yourself up to it? Like, why go on a cruise ship or go on a love boat the week before you get ready to play the Packers? Just You just open yourself up to criticism. He called it Snap Face. Snap Face, yeah. Which he, he does. That's his running names. joke, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he loves to mess with the names. <laughs> it's and then people think he's serious half the time, which I, which I love. Uh, All right, so let's 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 say Julian Edelman did this before round three, 
and and Facebook Live Belichick's entire speech, which definitely would not have been as uh, as long or as dynamic as Mike Tomlin's speech. What would Belichick do? What, how would he have reacted? Would he have suspended Edelman for a series, or would he have laughed it off? What happens? Uh, well, first of all, you know, Edelman would have never done it. I mean, they're trained not to do it. I mean, that's part of the program. When you talk about the New England Patriots, you talk about a program. You talk about football 101. They're educated on every aspect of the game, including the media, how we're going to approach the media, what we're going to say, what we're going to do, how, how this thing is handled, how it's portrayed. You know, and nobody wants to get caught out on the carpet on the Monday meeting and say something that, you know, he might bring up to, oh, look at this guy. He's got all the answers. And, you know, that's just embarrassing. So I get asked that question a lot. Like, what would Belichick do? It would never have happened. Right. Because Belichick would have been proactive with it. It would have never, like, there's no, there's no cameras. Put the phones, like, nobody brings a phone into the locker room. They do have them in there, but nobody's turning them on. The only after time. The team, after well, the only time I ever remember anything like this happening was that time when Wes Welker was making the veiled foot fetish jokes about Rex Ryan before the Jets right. playoff game. And Belichick was furious about it, and it backfired, and the Jets won. So right. I, uh, my guess would be that's never happening again on a Belichick team, as long as he's throwing his fastball. I, I don't think it's ever going to happen. They're too well trained. They're too much into the program. They're, there's too much at stake. I mean, Belichick's speech after that game would have been, look, we didn't play well. We won. Enjoy the win. Tomorrow we're going to have to play a lot better. We're going to have to get to beat the next opponent no matter who it is. We're going to have to play our best game. Let's worry about them. Let's go. And that would have been it. What's I mean, the- there, there was going to be no jubil- jubilation in the locker room. It was going to be about the next game. It always is. I can't believe you blame Tate for Antonio Brown's speech. Tate's a millennial. Like you felt Tate was like a drive-by <laughs> shooting in that. All the millennials were to blame for Antonio well, Brown. I mean, look – I just think it's kind of, it's just part of the generation, you know, like everybody wants to film everything, you know, and and so it's unfair. I don't mean to blame you, Tate. It's not your fault, but, you know, everybody wants to, like, get that instant look into the locker room, and it just, to me, it's about the team, and you have to do what's right for the team, and that comes down to mental toughness. Mental toughness is simply this, doing what's right for the team that might not be right for you, and I think that's where the Patriots win. My guess is Mike Tomlin handled it by just leaving Antonio Brown putting him in a closet with James Harrison for like 45 seconds. Yeah, I don't think they Gus bradley him. I don't think they left him in Kansas City and just flew <laughs> <No>. home. <laughs> Let's talk about the effects from last weekend's game heading into this weekend. The Pats, we might as well start with them. Isn't the best possible thing for a Belichick team to be coming off a shitty playoff win? Oh, yeah, no, no question. I mean, look, they've usually they've played a, a, an opponent like, Houston, remember they played Tebow with Denver, or they've played, you know, somebody, and, and whenever Colts. you've played that, the yeah. Colts, and they've whipped them, and then the next week it's been the challenging game. I, I think this now reversed. I think now they've got, you know, they, they've kind of back in their routine, they're back into their their schedule, and they just know they have to play better. I mean, the best thing for any head coach is to be able to watch the tape and say, look, fellas, we won, but we didn't play good. We're going to have to play a lot better than this to beat a good team. And and I think Mike Tomlin can say the same thing about his Steelers. I mean, they did not play well in that game. There's wide, there's guys wide open for Kansas City in the game. Alex Smith didn't play very well. I think there's 20 quarterbacks from other teams that would have been if it would have played for Kansas City would have beaten Pittsburgh, and probably about 25 other quarterbacks would have played for Houston that could have given New England a good game. I, I know mean, and- that's how bad that's how bad Brock was, and that's how bad Alex Smith was. 
And what's amazing about that is Will Will Fuller just drops a touchdown with eight minutes left. And if he doesn't drop it, the Texans are down four with eight and a half minutes left. And yeah, and, but you know they were going to rally back. But look, that's what Will Fuller did. I mean, Will Fuller's hands are in, he could run like the wind, but his hands was inconsistent coming out in college. So yeah, I don't. You know, I, I think he is not that he was a bad pick. I think he's a talented player. But you're going to have to live with some drops with Will Fuller. True. That's my point. That was a big drop. Kelsey was a big drop. You know, I look at that. Well, I, we should finish Pat's Texans. The the defense that Houston threw at Brady was really like the the playbook for how to stifle Brady. Like they were really able to get to him over and over again. He took some big hits. It's cold. He's thirty nine years old. Should should I be at all worried about the uh the punishment he took I, in that game? I think Houston does a great job of reading routes and, and, and their man coverage, if you took those corners and put them on other teams, they wouldn't be as effective. They're very good at reading routes. They're very good at matching routes. They play the routes. That's why if you watch the game closely, a lot of what the Patriots were doing were running double-move routes, meaning they were going inside, pretending like they're going to break to the post, they break to the corner. They ran a lot of different type of moves to get away from the pattern reading of the Houston Texans, which does a great job. And that's really how they won, and and it's hard to do. It's it's hard for the team to duplicate. So what the Patriots did is the Patriots said, look, we're just going to get in a base offense. We'll put Devlin on the field. We'll leave your base so we can limit this pass rush and then work our offense from there. And that's what they did. That's when they started to have a little bit more success. When they went it, when they made it a nickel game, it became too complex to block them. They get Marcellus over David Andrews. That's a problem. You got Clowney's a problem. So you couldn't handle it all. And I, and I think that once they made it a base game and then they could run their routes, I think it became more effective for them. If if they hadn't spent all that money on the heist and they had drafted <laughs> Dak Prescott, could they have won that game? Yeah, no question they could have won the game. I mean, they're a quarterback away. I mean, look, you put Tony Romo on that team, they might win that game. Well, we, we, we might know, find out next year. <laughs> we might we be, might might be in that year. situation. Look, to me, that's the Tony Romo question here. Tony Romo on Kansas City, Tony Romo on, on, on Houston. The, the results are going to be different. I mean, Kansas, and I don't mean to jump to Kansas City, but as bad as Brock was, Alex Smith wasn't much better. No, he is bad. Alex Smith, I mean, he almost got Conley killed down the middle of the field. He almost got Kelsey on the drop. He could have thrown that ball way better to Kelsey. There's so many throws in that tape that he could have made that, were, that weren't even close to be. And, it, and, and really, the problem with Kansas City is simply this. Kansas City became Tyreek Hilt, and by that I mean they became infatuated with running plays for Tyreek Hill instead of running their offense. Oh, the per- Percy they, Harvinitis. Exactly. That's what happened to him. And so everything became, oh, we're going to fake it off of Tyreek Hill. We're going to fake it off of this guy. Instead of just running their offense, which was much better last year when they had less talent. Think right. about it. Well, they, were, they moved the ball more effectively last year in terms of Methodical. They were very bad. They were better on third down. They could do better things, but not not this year. He also missed Macklin. I think it was Macklin in the left corner, who was two yards wide open. Remember, he threw it over the wrong shoulder. Would have been a touchdown. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a touch. If he just puts that ball there, it's easy. He walks in the end zone. But you know, Andy Prop Joe did exactly what Prop Joe does. He's fixing. I mean, mess clocks up. I mean, the timeout with Uh, two minutes for the two point play was one that just drive you crazy. Fourth down and two. You had the whole play clock. It's not like it was running down. It was like he just wanted the timeout to talk about it. I don't understand why teams practice. 
Don't you have a play either, ready for that? Hey, don't, don't you have you, a biggest game of the season play? Right, of course you do. But what happens is, is the ball, the play clock was every time I turned around, it was going down to one or zero. Yeah, he was having a hard time getting the plays in. It was. I still don't think they deserve to win because I didn't think their defense was that good, and I actually thought Pittsburgh no, left a lot. Of, horrible. Don't and you think Pittsburgh left a lot of points? Nobody talks about this at all. Is the the third and four play? They don't even cover Antonio Brown. I don't know I what know. coverage they're in. It's the biggest play of the season. It's not the biggest play of the game. It's the play of the season. If they get the ball back there, they're going to have enough time to kick a field goal. They're going to move the ball against Pittsburgh to kick a field goal. That was the play of the season. That was terrible. And then that that play when somehow Justin Houston was 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 covering uh, Antonio Brown I, on a vertical route. What the fuck was that? It was like a fifty yard play. I can't even. I've watched that on tape. Five times I can't eat, and I've asked people in the league what that coverage was, and nobody has an answer for me. And I, it's not like it's a blown coverage where you could say, "Well, this guy should have done this." I have no idea what it was. I have no idea. I don't know what you do if you're the Chiefs, because you're bringing back Andy and you're bringing back Alex Smith, and I just don't know what's any different about next year than this year or the year before that. You know, it's almost like a Cincinnati Bengals situation where. At some point, you just got to go, all right, is this who we are? We're going to go 10 and 6, 11 and 5 every year, and we're never going to get to the Super Bowl? I don't know if I'd want to be I, in I that position. They, I, think they, I think they call the Cowboys and try to trade for Tony Romo. Wow. So we I, think, I think that's the move they have to make. I mean, I think that's the move you have to make if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. If you put Tony Romo on that field, you know, and, and you could protect him and do some things and be creative with him, you know, he's in better shape than he's ever been in his life. You know, people talk about, well, he's, you know, look, durability is an issue, no question. I would be concerned, but I don't think the price is going to be that high. I think he walks on that field. He beats Pittsburgh easily. What is What should be Pittsburgh's big, a Pittsburgh fan's biggest concern going into this Pats game? Uh, well, I think Pittsburgh has to be concerned. The Patriots just dominate the clock and don't let their offense on the field. I think what you have to do when you play Pittsburgh, it's all about the quarterback's head which is what Alex Smith didn't do. Pittsburgh's a zone defense. They read the quarterback. They don't read the routes. They read the quarterback. So if the quarterback looks to his right, they're all going to move to the right. If he looks to the left, they're going to move to the left. And so the quarterback has to displace the coverage with his head. And I think that's where Brady is. will be very good. He'll move the coverage. He'll force them into things. And he'll put the ball into windows, and they won't be able to get to it. The key for the Steelers to win the game is they must create a negative play. That's how they beat the Chiefs. Holding calls, false starts, delay of the game, stuff like that. Second and 15, now the Steelers gain the advantage and they get off the field. If it's a positive play every time, four yards, three yards, six yards, the Steelers will have a hard time slowing down the Patriots. The Everyone's throwing the Le'Veon Bell thing at me. It's I don't really ever remember a running back dominating a Belichick team in the playoffs. He usually takes them out. I think Ray Rice was probably the closest the year the Ravens came in and, and knocked them around. Actually, he had a big game. One of those games, he had a big game. Uh, we, isn't he just going to take them out and force Roethlisberger to try to do some, basically carry the load? Well, I, I would think they're going to. I mean, look, what people don't realize is this whole stop and start is really, it's, it, it's, it's unique, but it's also well, well designed. Because they, if you pay close attention to Pittsburgh, their line splits will tell the story. So when they're foot to foot with their line splits, they do that for a reason. They want Bell to be able to stop at the line, no penetration, no one gets to him, and then you he reacts off of the movement of the defense and he finds a way to get five yards. 
Hmm. So you have to take the line of scrimmage, and you have to pay close attention to those line splits and see where they want to run the football. The thing that I think that the Patriots would look at is say, look, Bell's dangerous in the passing game. He's a problem, but but because they're running him so much, they haven't used him in the passing game, which really limits how much defense you have to worry about when Bell's in the game. If Bell becomes a receiver, then all of a sudden it becomes a bigger problem for the Patriots. Did anything you saw from Brady worry you last weekend? You know, I, I, no, I, I thought Brady threw the ball down the field as, with the touch throws over the shoulder to Edelman as good as, as I've ever seen him. I think he got it. I think it was an uncomfortable game for Brady because of the way that the way they, the Titans, the Texans play in terms of their pattern reading and all the man coverage, and they couldn't really kind of get it going into a flow. And once that happens, you know, you got that fourteen to three lead. All of a sudden, you think it's going to be a blowout. Next thing you know, you start turning the ball over. And you know, look, the throw to Floyd. If he puts it on Floyd, that could be a big gain. And you know, there's just some things. I think they were a little rusty. I don't think the Patriots had their A game, B game, or C game last week. Yeah. Do we see Floyd again? I think I, I would be – if Malcolm Mitchell's up, which I think he'll be this week, and Hogan's healthy, I think Floyd could help him, especially against a zone team that, that has to, you have to break tackles. Yeah. I think Floyd could help him. Now, whether he knows what to do, that would be the only reason he wouldn't. But against a zone team like this where you have to break tackles and it's all yards after contact, I think that Floyd could really help, like he did against Miami where he catches the pass and carries eight guys with him in the end zone. My dad is – is was upset at Floyd after he's convinced Tom Brady has never thrown an interception that was Tom Brady's fault. It's always someone else's fault. Who's <laughs> blaming Michael Floyd? So you think it sounds like you're leaning toward the Pats? I think it's going to be a great game. I, I typically, I, I think this is one of those. I think if the Pats try to single up Antonio Brown, they won't win this game. I think they're going to have to double Antonio Brown, take him out of the game and force the ball to somewhere else, but at least cover Jesse James. At least cover Eli Rogers. Don't let him have free access like the Chiefs did and just run. I mean, Jesse James, did anybody know he was on the field for the Chiefs? <laughs> He's wide open more times. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you know, so I think it'll be a really close game. And, I, and look, the, the, the thing that if you're a Patriots fan, you have to worry. The Steelers are very good. They're fourth in the NFL in red zone defense. And that's where they make a living. And, and the Patriots are going to have to be creative when they get it down there. They're going to have to run it a little bit down there because you're going to have to score touchdowns against them. You're not going to be able to kick field goals because if the game's close, that's when the Steelers have all their offense right at their fingertips. Is it fair to say that uh, Mitchell is going to be headhunting the smaller Patriot receivers during this game? You know, I, I think Mitchell will be a problem if Brady doesn't move him. If Brady moves him, Mitchell won't be near the ball. Okay. And Brady can move them, and Brady knows how to move zone defenses. And I think that this is where – and the Patriots just can't make the mistake. First play of the game, they had an 18, a 15-yard throw to Hogan last time they played him, and, of course, he puts the ball on the ground. You know, you're going to have to protect the football, no turnovers. You cannot have penalties in this game. This game is critical. You cannot shoot yourself in the foot. And I think if you do that, then these players on Pittsburgh don't become as big a problem. But when they get second and 15 and they can headhunt and do all that, then it becomes a different issue. Remember, uh, remember. I think it was last year they put Butler on Antonio Brown one on one, and Butler was phenomenal. And Brown still had like 150 yards and eight uh, catches. Opening or game last year, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was opening game last year, and you know I don't think that's the right. I would put Logan Ryan and double Antonio Brown, and I would put Malcolm Butler on Eli Rogers, hmm. okay. and I would force the ball somewhere else. I think you have to force the ball because you're going to have to take away. You can't. Somebody's going to have to hold up, and I think Brown, um, Butler could hold up against Eli Rogers or or Cam Hamilton, you know, one of those guys. But you can't really just 
you, you, you can't let Antonio Brown get off or t- t- catch a slant like Miami did and go take it to the house. Did you learn anything from Atlanta last week? Because Seattle is probably not a not a great playoff team, and I think they got exposed you know, in a lot of ways. I, I mean, I turned on I turned on on uh, Atlanta. I think Atlanta is. I think Atlanta beats Green Bay this week. I really do. I, you you I, finally I turned. Them. Oh my God! I, oh, I turned. I did. I did. Wow. I, because I think Atlanta's offense is just because I got so mad at Dallas and their inability to do anything offensively. They sat there in nickel defense the whole game uh. and Dallas didn't do anything. And I think if they try to if Green Bay tries to get away with that bad defensive scheme that they had last week, not bad scheme, but they don't have enough good players on the field. I, I think Atlanta will score 40 on them. So our friend cousin Sal's in denial about this cuz he's like, "What are you talking about? We we fell behind with the, pop, we had the yeah. throw." Like I just nickel against Zeke is basically the dumbest thing you can do, and I, I just don't understand why he didn't have 40 carries and why they didn't have the ball for 40 minutes in that game. I don't get it. That's the way to beat. That's that's what I think Atlanta's going to do in this game. I don't think Kyle Shanahan will will create enough. It'll be it'll be a long drives. It'll be a lot of mixes and matching, and and I think they'll, they'll control the clock. I think Sal's completely wrong. They, so when you're behind 14 to three, you can still run it. They dared him to run it. Yeah. They dared them to run the football, and Dallas still wouldn't run it. They only in nickel five or six. They only in their base defense five or six plays the entire game. That's you can't do that. I can't believe you got to run them out of it, and you got to cre- and you have to create the matchup that you want. What they did is they created the matchup that they wanted, and well, that's so, where I think they really blew it. So, do you think they did that because they were so afraid of Dez in that game? Because they had no chance of covering Dez in that game. That they were basically like, we'd rather give up seven yards a carry than twenty-five yard passes to Dez. I, I think their attitude was, look, you can't beat us. You won't stay. You won't be disciplined enough to run the ball. You won't hold. You'll, you'll get too impatient. It won't. It's it's too hard. You'll lose interest, like like the Indianapolis Colts would do. That's what people did when Manning was great, and and, and people would say, look, you can have. You know, we're gonna you're gonna lose interest in the run. We'll right. stop it a couple times, and they all they did was they blitzed it. Here's the problem, and you know they were talking about it on television, but it's 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 size. They had so they had seven or six or seven in the box. It doesn't matter. They had two little guys in the box. Yeah, you just it doesn't pounded. matter who you have in there. You know, and even when they went to, when they got them in base, they ran the ball for seven or eight yards. Like they could have controlled anything they did, and they didn't do it. Ugh, I was going nuts. I just couldn't believe it when they. I was like, are they? Like I, I think I forget who was announcing. Oh, uh, Aikman. He's like they're playing nickel. I'm like, wait a second, that can't be right. And then I freeze framed. I'm like, oh my god, they're playing nickel. I, if the this was game. a video game, I would be running the ball down their throats. This would be great. I tried to get 300 yards with Zeke Elliott. And they were messing with the safeties in the and the and the and the sub corner and trying to mess around to kind of try to distract them from running the ball by numbers. But it really had nothing to do with numbers. It had nothing. They had no size on the field. So you had to attack them, and they didn't attack them. And then they got behind, which I think Sal's point's well taken. You're behind 21 to three. You can't run it. Well, okay. So then you, when it becomes 28 to 20, you can start run it. When it's 28 to 28, you can definitely run it. Right. Like you can definitely run it. Well, you know. And, and they they never. Here's the part that I think they missed. They never got control of the game with the best part of their team, which was their offensive line. So did you? Did Atlanta win you over, or you just love this matchup for them? I love the matchup with them. I think they're better on defense than I gave them credit for. I think they rallied to the ball better. I think that, that even though I thought Seattle looked like they were going to play, Seattle's offense and defensive lines weren't good enough. And I think Seattle is a little bit like the Patriots to a degree. 
they're a little bit like the Steelers to a degree, and they're a little and they're they're better than the Packers to a degree. Is that they have an average defense and a great offense, and I think their average defense is going to be better. The total sum of this game to me, Atlanta's the better team. Well, and I know Aaron Rodgers is Omar, and I know he's going to make some incredible throws, but you're going to have to. But so is so is Matt Ryan, and so is all their skill players, and their skill players are tough. Yeah, I. I think Dallas was better than Green Bay, but it comes down to coaching when it when you have two close teams like that. I got to say, man, I've given McCarthy a lot of shit over the years, but everything they did in that game, as crazy as playing nickel, it was like a Jedi mind trick. It worked. It's almost like when you guard you know, LeBron James in 2000, Dallas in the 2011 finals, they would put Jason Terry on LeBron James every once in a while. They're like daring him to post up, and it messed him up. You know, right? And that's it, what they did. They they went small, and and Dallas refused to stay big. That's what they did. So Dallas matched them. Right. They went small, and Dallas matched them. It was classic basketball game. And if Hubie Brown, Hubie Brown should have done the game, he would have coached them out of it. <laughs> right. And and also the he, worst the worst spike in a while, the Dak the, the, spike. The most, even Jerry even Jerry Jones knows it was the worst spike. Uh. Look, when you play Aaron Rodgers, and this is for the Falcons, and this is for the Patriots or the Steelers, you have to have the ball last. Yeah. You have to have the ball last. If you give him the ball last, I don't care how much time, he's going to beat you. Yeah, He's making throws that he's throwing. You know, they talk about the American sniper, Chris Kyle, being able to shoot from a mile away and hit his target. This guy's the American sniper. He can shoot from anywhere. That I, I can't believe that he had anyone open on that play. He didn't have anyone open. They were playing zone, <laughs> and what happens in zone is is instead of locking on the receiver, you're taught in zone, look, stop staring at the quarterback. At some point, look at the receiver. And Brian Jones just lets, the, lets, lets Cook just run past him like he's a pedestrian in a park. But maybe like he wanted to sell him an ice cream cone. Should they have blitzed on that? No, I think what they did was the right thing, but they needed to lock on to the receivers. Yeah. The guy threw a, the guy threw a dart a mile away. It was. Like, it was like yeah, I think he's American sniper. He went from Omar to the American sniper in two podcasts. He's amazing. I mean, like, how could you? Could you imagine losing your season to that? To that? No, I, I would. I would have been in a coma, especially if I hadn't won the, been in the Super Bowl in uh, twenty plus years. Because, like, like I just think they were everybody's better. Defend, everybody's defending the spike. The spike was ridiculous. Like, I keep saying this. It drives me insane. The goal when you have the ball is not to attempt the field goal. The goal is to make the field goal. Right. So when you give up a play, you're just saying you're going to attempt the field goal. And well, and also you're screwed because if you don't have a nice second down play, now it's like, what do they end up with, third and eight there? I mean, there's just no reason for it. You, t- you want three things. You probably have a chance to run maybe three or four plays left. You're almost definitely going to end up with a field goal anyway. So how do you right. end up giving them time? Plus, they I think they got stuck with a timeout. That was the other they great did. part they, of they, that. They, he's, they have a timeout carried over in the next year. Oh, can they use it? Can they use it in the preseason? Garrett, if he's in the Hall of Fame game next year, he'll have, five, he'll have, he'll have seven timeouts. Wow. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, they, they gave away, and then they – like. At some point as a head coach, you have to understand who your opponent is. Is it the other team or the clock? And sometimes it's both. But when Dallas had the ball, knowing that Aaron Rodgers could come back on the field, the clock was as much your opponent. You have one of the best field goal kickers in the league. So it sounds like you're leaning toward Atlanta and the Pats. I would say I'm leaning towards that. I could see Pittsburgh upset. No, I think Pittsburgh's hot. I think Pittsburgh's confident. 
Yeah. You know, I don't think they mind playing on the road. Uh, I think it'll take everything that the Patriots have to win the game, and I think Atlanta will win the game. I think Atlanta. I know everybody's talking about Aaron Rodgers, and it's great. For and them. I, I love Aaron Rodgers. I think it's great. But at some point, a team has to win. Well, a it's, team has to win. It's great for the Falcons that they're they played all year to get this home game in round three, and everybody thinks Aaron Rodgers is going to the Super Bowl. I, I would say they right. could use that as motivation. You know, I said I texted you over the weekend. You were dead on. You were four and zero in round one with who you liked, and then I think this last. Oh, you didn't like Seattle. You so I, you didn't were, I was three and one. Well, you're two and yeah, yeah. You're three and one because of the Seattle Atlanta game. And I texted you over the weekend before the game. I was like, everybody has one blind spot team, and I think yours is Atlanta. Like you're just everybody has that one team where like I just I don't want to see it or I don't see it or I see this, and I think mine is Pittsburgh. I think they're yeah, better than I, I realize they are, and I haven't wanted to see it. I think their defense, as you said, especially in the red zone, like they just get stops. They big for it. Remember that Cincinnati game when they came back? They got a huge fourth down stop, and I think yeah. they're my blind spot team, unfortunately. I, and Atlanta, look, I look at Atlanta, and I think, look, they give up. You know, they've played better defense to, against the Rams, the 49ers, of Carolina. I don't give, you know, their, their yards per attempt defensively was so low, I'm thinking, well, when, when they played Kansas City, they gave up Alex Smith, had over 10 yards of pass attempt. Yeah. But, so I never really felt like they played it. And then, you know, New Orleans, they they you know they beat New Orleans 38-30. It'll be a 30. I think this game's going to be in the 30s. I think it'll be a shootout. But I think Atlanta's smart enough. I think Kyle Shanahan deserves to be the head coach of the 49ers. I think he's a great coach. I think he's. I think he'll be, he'll be able to get control of the game with what he does and keep Aaron Rodgers away from having control of the game, and that's going to be the key. You know, um, it sounds like McDan- it sounds like Shanahan's going to get that job, and McDaniel's is going to roll it over to the next year. I don't know if he knew that he wasn't getting the job or whether he just wanted to wait. I was excited because I was ready for McDaniel's to go to San Francisco, and then my dream scenario of the Pats trading number thirty-two if we won the Super Bowl with Garoppolo for the second pick in the draft was my favorite fake trade in a while. Uh, my friend Jay Giroux actually emailed it to me, and I got all fired up about it. Uh, but that's not happening. But who did, do you think San Francisco would have done that? Is that a fair trade? I, say, I think, I, look, if, if Jimmy Garoppolo would have played on the Chiefs, they would have beaten the Steelers. I think if you're Jimmy right. If Jimmy Garoppolo would have, would have played on the Texans, they would have beaten the Patriots. So I... I'm not like people say. Well, you're just saying that because you're trying to get Belichick. No, no, I'm telling you. I scouted Jimmy Garoppolo when I was in Cleveland before I went to New England. Jimmy Garoppolo is a really good quarterback. He would be doing the same thing that type of things that Derek that Derek Carr is doing now. Okay, he could do those. He can throw the ball in any place. He's smart. The team likes him. He's better than Jared Goff. I think he's got a great future. And whoever gets him, they're going to have a winning quarterback. And to be fair, you were very dubious of Matt Castle even after the eleven and five season because I knew you way back when, and you were delighted yep. that the Chiefs, that Belichick got the thirty ninth pick for Matt Castle and Mike Vrabel was basically done at that point. You thought that right. was incredible, I, right? Because I just to me that was a product. This kid's not a product of the system. This kid is. This kid can go in the system and, and run it, and then he could go to somebody else. Like he could go to Houston and do it. If the heist is worth seventeen million, I don't know what brought, I, I don't know what what Jimmy's worth. Yeah, well, he's gonna go. 
I, I don't know what to think anymore. I don't know if Belichick and Brady have made some secret blood pact that next year is the last year and then the team. Who knows? I, or, or Brady might want to play till he's 100. I don't know. I'm, I'm keeping everything open. I, I will tell you this, though. It's still a very well-coached Patriots team. Mike, uh, Mike Lombardi, I look forward to, uh, to texting with you this weekend. This is going to be something. You bet. I'm looking forward to it, Bill. One. Thanks All a right. lot. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's take a quick break to talk about real time with Bill Maher. During a time when everybody's talking politics and wondering what the heck is going on, who's better to cut through that chatter than the irreverent and incisive voice of Bill Maher? His rotating panel of guests and Bill are back for season 15 of HBO's award-winning series Real Time with Bill Maher following a raucous year of tracking the presidential election. The show is picking up right as a new president takes office. Every Friday night, Maher hosts guests made up of authors, thinkers, newsmakers, artists, politicians, firebrands, and provocateurs from both sides of the aisle. They dissect the new and not-so-new people and happening on Wall Street, Hollywood, around the world, and especially in Washington. Watch Real Time with Bill Maher live Fridays, 10 p.m., only on HBO. Every week, the conversation continues on real-time overtime on YouTube. And since we're here, let's talk about Buffalo Wild Wings. It's still football season, which means it's still chicken wing eating season. Although that's probably 12 months a year, right, Tate? I would say 12 months a year. Uh, I can't remember if the first time I went to a Buffalo Wild Wings that they had 21 signature sauces and seasonings to choose from, but they definitely have that now. And they definitely have a great lineup of cold and refreshing beers on tap. And a, a collection of wall-to-wall flat screens so big it will make your head spin. Buffalo Wild Wings covers all of those details so they add up to the kind of game day experience fans can appreciate. And they do it because they appreciate fans, win or lose. If you're a fan, you're still a winner if you're enjoying the best game day atmosphere there is. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. They do it for us because we're football fans and we only have two weekends left. I'm already bummed out. All right, let's go to Sarah Tiana. Hold on. All right, she's been on before, a Falcons fan. She was yeah. very optimistic the last time she was here, which I think was when, like October, November? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Somewhere but I in there. You also didn't, didn't have faith in Matt Ryan. Like, you asked me about him, and I was didn't. just like, I don't know. None of you Falcons fans no, did. No, I don't know. And I just felt like that was the right I, – I, I think it's just been years and years of just like – you know, I think it would be like being a Romo fan where you're just like, I don't know. Like, we keep getting so close and then I'm disappointed. Your and guard I, was up. My guard was up. Yeah, for sure. But it was I mean, like kind of like a bad relationship. Yeah. It was like an off and on <laughs> yeah. boyfriend or girlfriend for four or five years. You don't know whether what, what to make of it. Yeah. And you're like, even if he does give me a ring, am I going to be I happy? Want it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know if I want it. Oh. You're dating out of familiarity more than anything. <laughs> yeah. Now we're just comfortable. I, well, I judge all my quarterbacks by how they react on inside the NFL when they mic up the players. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was very impressed by... His mic'd up performance this yeah. week. They mic'd him up. He, he. at one point, the Seahawks got chippy. Matt Ryan mm. called everyone over and laid into them. He's like, don't get caught up into that. And like, really seemed like he was in charge. Yeah, I mean, he has been like laser focused. That's yeah. one thing that I've noticed. Is so he's that, on HGH. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, him and Peyton are friends. So I'm sure that's how he got <laughs> it. follow him. <laughs> yeah, Peyton's wife's giving him all the info but yeah I don't know he just seemed really really locked in like every interview that I've seen with him he just seems like just and, I wonder and if he hit rock bottom last year 
God, I mean, I can imagine. Yeah, bad year. The Falcons fans were out. Yeah, I mean, we got accused of like this putting the sound in, and then like well, it was, every, it was you rightfully know, accused. No, you Tony did it. Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got to make make it sound like somebody's in there. <laughs> the Patriot fans, the Patriot fans know everybody who ever cheated in the NFL the last fifteen years. Oh yeah, I it's bet like you a did. laundry. Like the Steelers, mm-hmm. they've done a bunch of stuff, and their coach tripped somebody who was running down the sidelines. <laughs> If Belichick yeah. did that, we would never oh, hear never the end of it. Mike Tomlin, like, oh, what a great guy. He really did cares. You, did you see that guy that took the picture of Belichick on the ferry coming home when he was sleeping? Yes. And then ESPN asked if they could use it. And he, he said, told him to F no, off. Yeah. absolutely not. You started to flake gay. Yeah. Do not use this. Picture fans hate ESPN. That's so great. It's so cool. <laughs> I love that. It's gangster. So you're playing Green Bay. Yeah. What are your feelings in Aaron Rodgers? I mean, I am not a fan ever. I've never really been a fan. Obviously, like... You is know, it an NFC thing or is it like a personal animosity? No, he just like always killed us. Like every play, you know, like another playoff game. I think the last time we played them in a playoff, they beat us. And it was just like so frustrating. You know, it was, we were so close and we had such a good year. And just, it's always just been like, he's like this, ne- he's this necessary evil. But I feel like it's perfect because in order for us to really appreciate going to the Super Bowl, I think we have to beat Green Bay. You have to go through him. Yeah, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. What happened to Arthur Blank's mustache? (laughs) When did it go away? I didn't even notice that it went away. It seemed like it was gone. I don't. don't. I always liked it because it was like a cross between like Clark Gable and Gone Gone with the Wind, (laughs) but like some old porn producer crossed with like I don't know what. He looks like every bad character. character. Yeah, he's like a bad man character. Yeah, he looks. He also looks like our mascot, Freddie the Falcon. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, no. but yeah, he looks we'll look a lot like. He was doing the, this weird hand-holding hold, thing with like. I don't know who that girl was. Who, was that his whoever, daughter? I don't know. <laughs> daughter, third wife. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure who it was, but they were just holding hands on the sidelines. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, I would never do that with my daughter if I, if I knew. No, probably not. If I knew. Yeah. Or, but or my third wife. He probably has such bad arthritis. He didn't know that he was holding anybody's <laughs> he hands. He was holding on another <laughs> human being. Gripping on something. fans like him? Yeah, we like him a lot. He's done a lot. I mean, he's yeah. He's it seems literally like he's changed. a good owner. Yeah, he's a great owner. He's put a lot of um, heart into the organization, you know. And I think getting Dan Quinn there and like just to have people. I mean, Shanahan being everybody's so happy. Yeah. You know, working for that organization and that changes everything. Shanahan's leaving. I know. He's it's going very, to the Niners. It looks like. I'm sure. Probably. You Instagrammed. You were watching the game. Mm-hmm. Who was that crew you were with? Oh, those are all my Falcons fans. Crew. It looked like an NBC sitcom <laughs> for, for the oh, upcoming pilots. Sarah, like her and her six guy friends diverse. watching the Falcons game. I know so many guy friends. I have like no female Falcons fans friends. Are there female Falcon fan friends to have? I think so. My friend Jason Tebow is convinced that that all Falcons fans look like the same uh, fans of the Wendy Williams show. <laughs> it's like if you were look at their her fans and our fans, it'd be the same, just different hats. <laughs> My wife always wanted there to be like a MySpace for for married women to find gay friends. Oh, yeah. And maybe there should be like another version of MySpace for female <laughs> sports fans to find other female sports fans. Yeah. The so thing, it seems like it's very hard. It is hard to find. It's not as hard to find someone who's a fan of sports. It's of your team. Your team and like your specific you know, even football. Like right. some girls are like, I'm a huge basketball fan or I'm a True. big, you know, baseball fan. And you're like, ah, oh, I just want... What do you think the rankings are for basketball one, football two? 
for baseball f- 700 for <laughs> what female sports fans like i would assume that football would be number one because yeah, it's obviously the most popular over basketball sport. I think it's a lot more fun. They're, like football is like once a week. It's something where you could get half people over. True. We can cook. You can gather. You know, like you're. It's just like it's, it's our moment. Yeah. And then we like hosting. You know, as women, we like we hosting. We as females, like yeah. you, all females. Oh my God. I don't know about all, but I know. I do. I like when you use the we. Yeah, I know. I there was this it's so funny. I have to be careful about I saying like it. I like hosting because there's this guy uh, in Alabama. Like a Uh-oh. few years ago, he wrote some article about how women should get more into football because it would give them more opportunities to like cook food for their men. <laughs> nice. Was he and over seventy? <laughs> he he was, and I think I tweeted at that newspaper like about. 18 or 19 times you know like all the tweets were like i i couldn't finish this article because i was too busy ironing you know sorry had to hold a pie in one hand and the remote in the other (laughs) like it's just it was just so obnoxious but at the same time i can see why you know women would be more drawn to sports because it is like we're super competitive we're you know we're really into knowing names and places and it seems history. like everything's crossing over more men are watching the bachelor and more yeah. women are open about how they like sports i'm amazed yeah. by how many men watch the bachelor now so many i men used to watch. just watch it because my wife made me laugh with with the joke she made during it mm-hmm. and then i i, I kind of half watch it like i'm always doing something else but now it seems like it's like a thing like guys are involved now with the bachelor yeah, and it's what, always what, very yeah. I I'm bizarre. getting like less into it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of become too mainstream. It's also yeah a little bit, and it's also just like there's always I I I have a real problem with their uh, the employment titles. You ever small see business it? owner? <laughs> yeah, I'm like oh, you mean you have a blog? Yeah, <laughs> good for you. You know, you've been like, to Dunkin' Donuts. Audio visual specialist. I'm like that's you work line. at Best Buy. <laughs> what was there's one? It's like mental health specialist or oh, really? whatever that one was. I was like, I what is that a job? <laughs> Do I need to hire one for the rigor? I know that. Do you need a mental health therapist <laughs> specialist or whatever it was? I do know that dog owner was on one of them one time, and I'm just like, dog owner's uh, good one. Like, I've this has been a very special bachelor season for my family because we finally let our daughter to start watching it with us. Oh. 11 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I know. It's, 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 a, it's maybe a year too fast, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I've never seen her enjoy anything more. And to watch her reactions to somebody like Corinne, this year's <laughs> villain. Yeah. And, the, and oh, my God. And, like, <laughs> and how yeah. much of a prude she is about it really gives me hope for her future. I just, she hates all the right people. I hope oh, it stays good. that way. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So she knows villains. And she likes the Canadian special needs teacher. Oh, okay. She's like, she seems nice. I'd be friends. <laughs> and I'm like, good. That's a good reaction. <laughs> that is a good way of testing her before she actually starts dating, just to see if she she makes good decisions and reads people the right way right if she was identifying yeah. with the woman who takes her suit off in the pool uh. be like that would totally do that i'd be like oh no we <laughs> had to a girl school <laughs> all girl school or a convent oh yeah for yeah. sure so convent. fortunately she was horrified by that person okay that's good i don't know if they play that stuff if they tell the people to play that up though i don't know how also don't know how we no, got talking about the bachelor they don't I'm friends with one of the producers, and he's just like, no, trust me. It's, so it's all it. about the casting. Yeah. Yeah, of course. The casting process is extremely rigorous. And I've met a lot of those people from that show, and they're just exactly 
this, they try to put on a front and then you give them a little alcohol and then they're really themselves. And that's really the game plan mm-hmm. for the producers mm-hmm. is it goes till five in the morning. Yep. And there's nothing to do other than sip champagne. By the way, you should never drink champagne ever anyway. And these, that much. These girls are drinking like they're in their sixth glass of champagne. Yeah, I Sounds can't like even imagine. Sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and a bad hangover. I was yeah. trying to think if if I was in The Bachelor, which I'm way too old, <laughs> but what my game, what my drinking game plan would be on opening night. Oh yeah. And I think the move would be to get everyone to do shots, but then do the shot over the shoulder <laughs> when it's your, when nobody's looking. Guys, let's do this like, yeah. and just try to get people to be as drunk so and stupid you're the as, sane one, yeah. as possible. That's smart. Would you at any point in your life would you have ever thought about going on a show like that? Yeah, sure. I've thought about it, you know, especially since I, you know, I'm friends with the producer or whatever. But then the older you get, the more you're like, well, now I'm too old. But then also, I don't want to be in a bathing suit on television. You know, that's why I'm afraid of dying in a shark attack, because I don't want to die in a bathing suit. That's another big (laughs) part of that. (laughs) I have this whole fear of the ocean. And I think part of it is just (laughs) being discovered (laughs) in a bathing suit. But yeah, I think that's like, I, I, yeah, I mean, the only reason you would want to go on it would be to travel. And I to... had um, I had a moment in my mid twenties when the real world came to Boston, mm-hmm. when I really thought about uh, applying. Really? Yeah, it was like I don't know when it was, like ninety five, ninety six, something like that. It was in they, the house was in Beacon Hill. It was like five minutes from where I lived. I remember when they did Real World Boston. My title would have been terrible. I, it was basically like unemployed at that point it would have been like Whoa. <laughs> struggling sports writer like would have been my little that was what the real world was, it it was. they were a little bit more honest about they would have been following me going to some terrible high school yeah. volleyball game or something i always wanted like to do s- survivor more than i wanted to do any of those other shows and you know then you know the more you start working in your field you're like well now i can't go on but then jimmy johnson went on and you're like oh maybe i can't I think you could totally go on why yeah. wouldn't you be able to go on survivor I don't know. Uh, you know, you just you, you get to a place in your career where you're just like, uh, is this? Do I really want to be away for this long? It's like what from my work? Forty days. Yeah, but then you also like after that you're. This is the most important question I'm ever going to ask you. <laughs> when you know that the episode when the family comes and everyone <laughs> cries, who who comes? Oh man, my sister probably. Your sister? Yeah. Oh, you're about to cry right now. No. <laughs> Would you cry? Do you think you cry? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm always gosh. fascinated why everyone cries. Yeah. It's just I can't a... think of anyone in my family who would make, like, my dad lives in Boston. Uh-huh. And, I, and, like, when I pick him up at the airport, I don't start crying. But when he leaves, do you cry? No. No. Like, I'll see you in two months. Like, <laughs> oh. Hmm. Tate, you're in Carolina. Do you cry when you say goodbye to your parents? They, they cry. Oh, they cry. Yeah. They cry. All right. yeah. Maybe I'm just a terrible person. Yeah, I think that you're, maybe you're just a sociopath and you don't even know it. <laughs> you're letting your 11-year-old watch The Bachelor. Obviously, you don't have a lot of emotion. <laughs> I think I would cry if she came. Yeah, But maybe right? it's like, see, it makes me think it is such an emotionally scarring experience mm-hmm. that when these people even get a glimpse of real life, it completely breaks them down. I think it's like it's a, maybe just a moment of like you're because you're really testing yourself at in on that show. You're testing your endurance. You're testing like your ability to be around people and be hungry. I mean, you're it's basically all of your fences and, and walls are down because you're hungry. You're tired. You don't have social pain, media or you have the nothing, Internet. You have no contact with the outside world. <laughs> yeah. And you've been living in this bubble, and then you see somebody who brings you a sense of reality and home, and then you're just like, oh, it's like, 
every meal you've ever wanted. I, that I was imagine. very poignant. <laughs> I've always wanted my wife to go on that show because if she's hungry, she starts to lose her mind. Uh, yeah. And I think I think she would get voted off within the first three shows because of some sort of incident because somebody took the race. Oh, yeah. And it would be great. It would just be great TV. I'd be totally oh. fine with it. I remember on one season, like early on, they used to be able to bring a luxury item. Like yes. early on. Yeah. And somebody brought like beef jerky or something and it was like hidden in like this box. <laughs> right. And then like, oh man, like people went off. It was... <laughs> That is a great luxury item, though. It's a great luxury item. What would you bring Smart. for your luxury item? Man, gosh, I don't to know. Because you can't, you probably can't. You have no cell phone reception out there. <laughs> I would probably bring a book. A like book. something like to keep my mind. Like a 700 page book. Yeah, something to keep my mind occupied. You could bring like infinite jest that lasts like the whole time. It's like 800 pages. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably like just bring like the first Game of Thrones book because I haven't well, that'd read. That'd be a good one. And that would probably take me a year to get through. I'm constantly flipping the pages back like, wait, what happened? I'm so confused. <laughs> now you'd be names. worried that I'm a bad dad because my daughter watches The Bachelor. Oh, you're definitely a bad dad. But that has nothing to do with The Bachelor. <laughs> she loves it. I'm just well, she's joking. Also seen every rom com. I think it's fine. I think it like every trying... every PG or PG thirteen rom com. I should say. Yeah. Well, like Bride to me, Bride Wars is almost worse than The Bachelor. And you have... ever seen Bride Wars? Yes. Two best friends, friends yeah. for life. Their dream is to be each other's maid of honor, and they mistakenly <laughs> get booked on the same day, and they turn into arch enemies. To me, that's a much worse, more dangerous <laughs> oh. uh, something. Or My Best Friend's yeah. Wedding. That's another one. Oh. Julie Roberts like, oh, I've decided I now like this guy. I'm going to destroy his wedding in mm-hmm. his life. Mm-hmm. Well, That's more dangerous. Yeah. If anybody was going to marry Cameron Diaz, though, I'd probably be like, you have to stop. You cannot do this. <laughs> well, joking. even early, early Cameron Diaz? Yeah, early Cameron Diaz was pretty oh, wow. awesome. She's fine. She's great now. What about Rose Battle? Are you going to watch? Oh, yeah. I'm going to go. Are you going to go? I'm going to go. Okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I want to top the performance of my friend Daniel Kellison, who was in the last episode in the Uh background, just with this stupid laughing look on his face. (laughs) You really have to be careful when you're sitting in the thing. You don't know if like it's on a judge and you're behind with just like this dumb, dumb smile laugh on your face. We made fun of him. I'm sure. It was fun. I'm sure. I think there should be gambling on Roast Battle. I would love if there was gambling. Because I was looking, they released the odds and I'm thinking like... Like Jeff, Jeff was on last week, yeah. and he said there were two people that have just been winning every roast. So then I was thinking, if this was like an NFL pregame show, mm-hmm. somebody would be like, you know, or like you're the, almost like with horse racing. We're like, well, you got to look at his last six roasts. He's placed five out of six. Yeah, right. And there should be stats and stuff, and it would be really fun to bet on this. You I just, guess you could bribe the judges. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think like, what would you bribe them with? Like marijuana. a steak? Yeah, <laughs> marijuana. <laughs> yeah. Pot. Medical marijuana. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that could work. But I know Snoop Dogg's doing it, so I don't think you could ever bribe him with something that he hasn't done. You know what I mean? They had like, run our test as a judge. That's so crazy. Last week, and, and he couldn't even remember like who made what joke. He's like, I looked. I don't remember who had that insult. It's like, why are you here? Run our test. I don't know. He just like, he's such a weirdo. He likes comedy, I guess. What did you did you see the one with the wheelchair guy? No, I haven't seen any uh, of them. There was one yeah. on Sunday. The guy was in a wheelchair, and it was mm-hmm. like now they're pushing the envelope to mm-hmm. see who's going the spirit of roasting and how far people go. And 
People just cross the line. They don't care. It's you a have to, though. Have I've to. been heckled by people in wheelchairs or people with cancer or whatever, and they think that that gives them a free pass. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to treat you exactly the right. same as I treat anybody Everyone's else. Everyone's equal in a room. Everyone's equal in a room. You know, like you can't, you can't, you know, want to, you know, be handicapped and then want to be treated like everyone else. And then when I start making fun of you, all of a sudden claim, don't make fun of me. I'm handicapped. Like that's not, yeah, sorry. Like we're all, we're all equal here and we all get made fun of. And I really wonder, Jeff seems to think that will last forever. The spirit of the roast. The spirit. The The one last place where. Anything goes and everybody's treated the same way. I don't know. I think so. Honestly, I I mean, I always feel like it's the last form of free speech. I mean, unless there's some sort of gag order, you know, but like usually when somebody says like, don't make fun of me for this, then you're like, well, now I have thought of eight jokes that I can make fun of you on that about. There's nothing better than a perfectly crafted roast joke. Yeah. And I I enjoy it the most. I think as long as people are dying in the world, there's always going to be roast jokes like you have to that's like it's a good senior yearbook quote yeah (laughs) for you high school seniors out there you can steal that one there's always gonna be a joke to be made yeah i mean some of the best jokes i think i've ever written were when people died you know james gandolfini when he died i remember i wrote a joke for jeff which he didn't which didn't make it on the roast but it was like james franco you're an insult to italian actors everywhere james gandolfini must be trying to roll over in his grave right now (laughs) it's a great joke and you know and it's also just saying that he would be insulted you know if you really break down a joke like sometimes people aren't as offended at they're offended at the, the idea of what you just said and not necessarily the joke itself. You're just looking at me like, uh. No, I love that. I like yeah. when you get, I, I get really I can upset. Listen to, I can listen to people talk about the art of comedy and how the audience treats comics and the whole, I, I love it. Yeah. It's one of my guilty pleasures. I know. I love that about you, that you're such a comedy nerd it. at the it's same great. time. I'm a you super like know comedy all nerd. This, all this other stuff, like the fact that you know a lot about comedy is incredible. I I'm a nerd with stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, Everybody but, has their nerd bases, and for me, whatever reason, yeah, comedy but, was one of them. But it's not, I'm not as good as I used to be. Not like, a lot I don't, of nerds are also good writers and know a lot of, about sports oh, and like comedy. You know what Thank I mean? You. But you know what I mean? Like most people who are comedy nerds are, you know, usually just like wrestling fans. Not that there's I was anything watching, wrong. <laughs> I'm also a Saturday Night Live nerd, which I realized oh. when they replayed the Carrie Fisher episode, which was on my DVR from 40 years ago. What? And. It was on the thing, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is this is the first time the Blues Brothers were ever on SNL. Oh and my, my wife's gosh. like, why do you know that? Like, how do you – she just was, like, confused. I was like, I don't know. I almost That's... wish, like, your brain was a cachet and you could clear it sometimes and add better information. Right. I don't know how that information even helps me anymore to know I also that the feel Blues like Brothers. people like you who've, like, been big sports fans for yeah. so long – Maybe probably probably since childhood, I'm assuming. Yeah. Like memorizing the names of all of those athletes when you were young oh, yeah. has helped you create that memory to where you can remember names and places and Definitely. people. And I think I'm like always behind in that because as a kid, like I didn't play those video games, right? That had the players and I didn't collect baseball cards because so I was a girl. So for my generation, it was the cards. It was basketball cards, football uh-huh. cards, bas- baseball, hockey. Mm-hmm. And you had all of them. You traded them. You studied them. Like we didn't have a lot to do. Yeah. So you'd be like, oh, I'm, t- I'm going to sort my hockey cards yeah. today. And that's how and you knew the stats. Then it became video games. Yeah. And then yeah. video games, I think, really helped. Yeah. Like, Tate, Tate, you play FIFA, right? Yeah. 
so Tate knows all these weird soccer teams and all these different. You and Ocho Cinco, huh? Like you yeah. and <laughs> Chad like Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Is he going to meet you in a house in Tampa and fight you? Yeah, just beat me out there. <laughs> so. We got to go. What's your Super Bowl plan if they win? If they win. I'm going. If they win, you're going. You're going yeah, to Houston. Yeah, because I randomly, I am at um, the Fort Worth Hyenas Comedy Club that weekend in Dallas. Oh. So I'm in at that club Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So if the Falcons go to the Super Bowl, I'm going to drive down to Houston on Sunday. And my friend Bennett gets two tickets because he writes NFL honors. So he said I could have the, his ticket if the Falcons go. So I'm going. And then he's going to tell you at the last second, I sold your ticket. <laughs> you better get Bennett to like write, get that in writing. I gave it to the bachelorette. <laughs> well, good luck. I think you're going to win. I really do. Really? Think that, yeah, I do. I think oh, there's too many thanks. people on that Rogers bandwagon right now. God, I, I like hope the Falcons. So. I think you're good. I think yeah, you have a I good think we're team. good. I think we're quietly good. And we have that double headed snake and Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. And like people don't really because Coleman can also catch the ball as a receiver. Yeah. So he's such a threat. Long You're fast. And you have short. a lot of speed mm-hmm. on that yeah. offense. I think it's tough. I don't. I thought Dallas could have put up 40 points in that game if they had a different game. I think plan. it might come down to who has the ball last. Yeah. To be honest, but I mean, last week the Falcons even surprised me because when we went for two, um, for two, they did the screen pass to Julio, yeah. and they've never done that play before. And I was like, whoa! So like, they're still drawing up new stuff right now, and I'm that I'm just blown away by. So, what's your Twitter handle? At Sarah Tiana. Okay. Check yeah. her out on Twitter. Thanks to SeatGeek. Thanks to Buffalo Wild Wings. Thanks to uh, HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher. And we'll be back on Friday <laughs> with a brand new podcast with a, a special guest. This is, this is going to be a good one on Friday. Stay tuned for that. Take care. I want to see them on a